Greetings and welcome back to another an ongoing series of Shurim on Dafyomi. We are now in the middle of the sugya on Daf Lamed Gimel Amud Bet of Masechet and Darim. The Mishnah that we studied in the previous podcast stated that somebody who was mudar hana from another, and uh, for purposes of the first part of this uh, this podcast discussion, we'll need to assign some letters to identify who's who. But the statement was that he may return his lost item. As we've already noted several times, the Tanaim were careful to be enigmatic in presenting the cases in Masachat and Darim. Uh, the Gemara already pointed this out. Tana stumelan satume. The Tana kept things uh, unclear. Um, and that was part of the general policy of uh, of keeping Nedarim somewhat of an esoteric piece of uh, knowledge. Uh, and we'll find that problem here. He returns his lost item. Who's he? So for purposes of our discussion, as I put on the page, we will posit that A has banned B from getting any benefit from him. So B is the mudar, A is the madir. All right, let's see how it plays out. We have two versions of a dispute between Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, second generation Amoraim Be'eret Yisrael. That the only permission, and is the only time it's, it's permitted to return it, is when A is returning it to B. Remember, A is the Madir and B is the Mudar. Why? When A returns something to B, he's returning B's item. He's not giving B anything new. It was B's item that was lost. But if B returns it to A, he can't return it. Why? For this, please look at the page. In note one, I've indicated that Rav Yosef, is a dispute between Rav Yosef and Rabbah about what the status is of a mach, of a shomer aveda. When you find somebody's lost item, you have to watch it. What is your status at that point? Are you a shomer chinam, watching it for free, or are you a shomer sachar, watching it for hire, uh, and therefore liable for Geneva um, Aveda, etc., have a greater level of liability. Why would you possibly be considered a watchman for hire? So, uh, which is Rav Yosef's position. So there are two uh, suggestions offered as to why Rav Yosef says this. And the first one is that while you are involved in watching the Aveda, you are exempt from other mitzvot, including the mitzvah of tzedakah. So if a poor man would come up to you at that point, you would be exempt from helping him, and that is a financial gain to you. There is another explanation of Yosef, but we're picking up on this one here. So, according to one of these Amoraim, we don't know which one, Ravamin Ravasi, it could be that their names being so close to each other leads to the confusion. We don't know which one said what. Uh, but one of them takes the position that if B is returning the item to A, then he's not allowed to return it. Why? Because while B is watching the item, he is gaining, which means that B is gaining from A, he's getting Hana from A. The other Amora said, Even if B is returning to A, he could still return it. And the case of Rav Yosef is not common. What that seems to mean is, it's just not a likely thing that while you're watching somebody's items, specifically at that point, a poor man is going to come up to you and need something, and you're going to be exempt from uh, taking the time to help him out because you're involved in another mitzvah. And therefore, we don't we don't consider that to be a benefit. Now, Let's test this. Tanan, and we have, as we've often had, a uh, challenge with the manuscript here in Masachet Nidarim. And the Ran points that out. 
Our Mishnah said that in the case of returning an Aveda, if the local custom is to pay the person who was watching and seeking you out and returning the lost item, to pay him for his troubles, and then the uh, one who returns it says, no, I forgive that money, then that money has to go to Hektesh. Now, Sorry, I'll read it like the run. If, uh, if we say that the only case where it's mutar is where A is returning it to B, then I understand why... Then I understand the case, because what's happening is the only possible case where you're allowed to return it is where A is returning it to B. And here's what happens. A returns it to B. B, according to local custom, is supposed to pay A $10, let's say. And A says, I, I forgive the money. Then B is really getting benefit, and that money has to go to Hektish. Hektish. But according to the one who says, and again I'm reading it as the Ron's gear, so it seems to be the only one that really fits. Um, but according to the opinion that says that it goes in both ways, then that you return it, meaning even B can return it to A, then why would it say After all, if B is returning it to A, and A is supposed to pay B some money, and B says, forget it, then there's no problem. Because A, who is not allowed to give any benefit to B, is not giving any benefit to B. So there's no money to go to Hektesh. There's no reason for that. Right? Uh, um, so then, the answer is Acharaktani. Very simply, that the opening part of the Mishnah, according to that Manda Amar, says either one can return to either one. And if it happens to be that A is returning it to B, and then A refuses the payment, then that money has to go to Hektish. But if it's in the opposite direction, there really is no concern. That's one way of, that's one version of the Machloket. Some people read the Machloket and had a, a, a version of the dispute as follows. That the only time you're allowed to return it is when, uh, when B is returning it to A. Because nobody's concerned about that Rav Yosef consideration about uh, being a Shomer Sachar. But if A is returning it to B, then he's not allowed to. Because he's giving him benefit. Even if A is returning it to B, because when he's returning it, he's returning his own stuff. He's giving B. What we said in the earlier point, A is simply returning to B, something that was always B's. In other words, now the only point of dispute is whether A can return it to B. Now, let's see if that works. What do we read in the Mishnah? That if it's a place where you pay the guy a little uh, uh, payment for his uh, troubles, and then he forgives that money, then that money has to go to Hektesh. I understand, according to the Mandama, that says it goes both ways. Then, the line about returning and giving it to Hektesh will be in one of those two cases, as we answered earlier. That's why it says, in a place in which that's the custom, so good, if A is returning it to B, and A refuses the payment, then it goes to Hektesh. But if we say, if according to the opinion that says, A can never return to B, it's only when B is returning it to A that it's mutar, 
then then what the last clause makes no sense because it has no application whatsoever there is no circumstance according to him where you're allowed to return it and there would still be a problem with what to do with the money because when B returns it to A which you said is the only case that's mutar then if A forgives the money there's no problem if I'm sorry when B forgives the money then there's no problem A is not paying him and according to you A is never allowed to return to B so okay, the answer is Kasha you're right that's a difficulty Okay, we move to the second uh, piece. Amarava. This is the setup for our discussion. Let's say you had in front of you a loaf, and the loaf was unowned. And then you made it hectish. Now, the way I presented the page was that you turned it into hefker. It's all the same. You have something that's unowned, and the Ran discusses why it has to be unowned. Take a look at the Ran. But you then said this kikar is hektish. Natalala ochla, then you picked it up to eat it. Ma'alafikula, then you are chayev mi'ila, you're chayev for trespass of hektesh, which means also a korban, also a payment. The payment is based now on the entire value of the bread, even though you didn't eat any of it, because the minute you picked it up for your own personal use, you were kona the whole thing, and therefore that's the value that you have to pay to hektesh, plus a fifth, plus the korban. Lohorisha Lavana, but if you picked it up in order to give it as a gift to your kids or bequeath it to your kids, then the Mi'ila is not measured based on the entire value of it, but rather on the value that you get out of the fact that your kids are happy that you're doing a nice thing for them. Not whatever it may be, obviously it's less. Now that's just the setup. So now Rava made this statement, and a student turned to him and asked the following, I'm sitting with you, and I say this loaf of bread of mine, my loaf of bread, is alecha, is usher to you, then I gave it to you as a gift. Mahu. Does it retain its ban or not? Because I said two things. I said, kikari, my kikar. So it could be that it's only asur as long as it's my kikar. On the other hand, I said, alecha is forbidden to you. and may be that it now takes on a status of hektish. And that's the, the presentation of the Gemara. Kikari amarlo, my kikar. It's only when I own it that it's asur. Perhaps the focus is on alecha. I love shavita hektesh. I made it on you as a hektesh. In other words, as far as you're concerned, it's like hektesh. So what did Rava answer? Rava said, even though you give it to him as a present, it's still asur. In other words, he's focusing on the second statement. The fact that he said alecha means it is considered vis-a-vis you to be hektesh, and change of ownership won't help. Now, Ella Kikari So now the student asked Rava, so why did he say Kikari Alecha? Why didn't he say this loaf? Why did he say my loaf? Isn't it to exclude a case where if it gets stolen from me, then it's mutter to you, which would be the same as if I give it to you? In other words, it's about ownership? Rava said no, that, that what he was trying to exclude by saying my loaf is to say, if I invited you to my house, and we can create a scenario which is not, this is not all of that strange. If I invited you to eat at my house, and then I said, Kikari Alecha, what I meant was everything besides the part that's yours. You invite somebody to your house, and you see that the guy is uh, starting to eat uh, large portions and eat other people's portions. So you say, Kikari Alecha. In other words, everything in that that's besides the portion that's yours is Asur to you. It's not all that strange. Now, Eitive, the student challenged Rav again. Amar lo hashileni paratcha. If A says to B, or I, the way I wrote on the page because I wanted to have new guys, C says to D, lend me your cow. 
Amar lo para shani amar konam para shani kanui lecha. It's a very strange phrase, but the way, way to read it is probably as follows. He said, any para that I have, besides this one, he's trying to say, I don't have any other one. I have only one cow, and therefore I can't lend it to you. And and the other fellow evidently is saying, no, you have more cows. He says, no, if I have any other cows, then they are all asur to you. Or all my things are forbidden to you if I have any other cows. Or another scenario is, lend me your tool, a kardum, maybe an axe, maybe a shovel. Same thing. Again, he's banning uh, all of his shovels or all of his tools or all of his property if he has any others. In any one of those cases, it turned out he had more cows, he had more tools. Whatever it was, it turned out he was lying. Now, as long as this fellow, as long as D is alive, C cannot use any of his cows. The, the ban holds. But when the minute D dies, or that C receives one of D's cows or shovels as a gift, so you see that when you make such a ban, that ban applies only while it's under the ownership of the banner. But the minute that it leaves his ownership, and it's giving it as a gift to the other fellow, then it's uh, no longer under the ban. So, Rava, how can you say that if a fellow says, this loaf, my loaf is also to you, and then he gives it to him as a gift, that he can't eat it? So, uh, so the student now gave an answer. A student gave an answer to defend Rava, and he said, what's the case? That the case is where another person gave it to him, meaning D, let's say, sold his cow to E. And then E gave it as a gift to C. Oh, good. In that case, it's certainly mutar, because now it's been, if you will, excuse the term, sort of laundered through the uh, the offices of E. In other words, it's no longer connected to D. And therefore, it is mutar. I'm Rav Ashi, Dekanami. Rav Ashi says, if you read carefully, you'll see that in the, in the ruling, Diktani Shinitnalo. Velo Diktani Shinitnalo. The wording is in the passive. It was given to him, not that he gave it to him. So it somehow got to C, but not necessarily directly through D. Good. Okay, so that's our second discussion. The final discussion, which relates to all of this, is the association between Neder and Hektesh, which was at the heart and soul of the previous discussion, which started out with an issue of Meila. So that and evidently we're going a little bit backwards because the earlier statement was a statement of Rav and then his students engaged him in debate about it. Now it's a question that Rav asked his Rebbe, which evidently was earlier. He asked Rav Nachman, When you prohibit something via konam, which means you're associating with a korban, remember konam is a kinui for korban, does it then carry the liability of me'ila? Me'ila, which if you uh, makdish an animal and then you shear it or you you uh, uh, you uh, carry use it to carry things, whatever, do you have me'ila? Uh, is the Amalei Tenituha. We have uh, our Mishnah that says, Makom Lima In the case where money is prohibited and now it's under the ban uh, because it's, it, normally I would pay you money and I'm not allowed to get benefit from you, and you're forgiving that, remember, with returning the lost item. Uh, we say, hektesh. What happens to the money? The money has to go to Hektesh. It sounds like this uh, has the status of Hektesh, just like Hektesh has Me'ila, and Adoyim also have Me'ila. And the answer is the Ketanoi, that it's true, but it's a Machlokat Tanaim, as follows. Konam kikarzu Hektesh, if a fellow says, Konam, that this loaf is hektesh. He ate it, his friend ate it, there's me'ila, 
and therefore it's full hectish and you could redeem it. You could say the hectic, the loaf is worth a dollar, I'll pay a dollar twenty five cents to the Gizbar and redeem it. Or if it's another person, just a dollar. Kikarzu alayla hektish, but if a fellow says it's on me hektish, meaning it's fully a neder, it's on me, it's prohibited to me as a hektish, v'achlahu ma'al, if he ate it, he's mo'el, chavero lomal, but if another fellow eats it, he's not mo'el, because it's not prohibited to him, vis-a-vis him, it's chulin. Lefichach ein lapidion, divra meir, meir says, therefore, nobody can redeem it because it doesn't have the full status of hektish. Even the fellow himself can't redeem it. Chachamu v'enkach v'enkach lomal. Chacham say it doesn't matter whether he eats it or the other fellow eats it. There's no meila. There is no meila bekonamot. By the way, another way to read this—that's the way I presented on the page. Another way to read this is that Chacham are saying ben kach ben kach about the whole presentation, even the first thing. Konam kikar zuhekdesh. The minute that you said konam, it puts it into the status of a of a uh, neder, and ein me'ila bekonamot, therefore, even if you said it without the word alai, anybody who ate it still wouldn't be in violation. Uh, either way, though, we see that there's a machlok or mer chachamim about whether yesh me'ila bekonamot. Good. Amal of achab, reidu of av, ravashi. So now, a later student asked ravashi, kikari zu, kikari alacha untanalob matanat. We've had this before. If a fellow says, this, my kikar is uh, prohibited to you, and then I gave it to you as a gift. If we accept the notion that Yishmi'ila Bekonamot, Mima'al, then who is guilty? Limol Noten, should the guy who gave it be guilty? He was never prohibited to him. He said, my loaf is prohibited to you. Limol Makabel, should the guy who got it be Chayven Mi'ila? Yochel Damer, Hetera Ba'iti, Yisura Lo Ba'iti. He would say, had I known it was Asher, I never would have accepted it, which means my Kenyan on it was a mistaken Kenyan, and therefore it's not really mine, and therefore I'm not Chayven Mi'ila. So the answer, Marley says, Makabel Ma'alachshiyotza. Really, what this is is a is a challenge to a mayor. How can you say Yishmiyla Bekonamot? You're always going to have the problem because, unlike a regular hektesh, which is objective and standard and true for everyone, this thing is hektesh for everyone. Here, in, in, in a typical neder, the item is usher to a particular person, and therefore you always have the problem of where does the meila fall? Certainly, the person who is under the ban wouldn't take it knowingly, so he must have not known. And therefore, he would not have been interested. Therefore, the Kenyan was a mistaken Kenyan. And anybody else is not chayiv because it wasn't also to them. So the answer is, the guy who received it, who's under the ban, you're right, he's not guilty when he gets it, but he's guilty when he spends it or when he eats it. Why? Because that's the rule. Anybody who uses even though he thinks it's chulin, the minute he spends it, that's meila. Meila is bishogeg. So the same thing here, this guy is Moel. So in other words, what we're doing is defending Rameyer and saying it's possible to create Meila Bekonavot as follows. If I ban this on you, but you didn't know about it, and then I gave it to you, so you're right, when you got it, there's no Meila. Because had you known it was Hektish, you wouldn't have accepted it at all. But the minute that you spend it, just like anybody else who's Moel, who doesn't know that the item is Hektish, he's Chayev uh, the minute that he spends it, as per the value of the item. Okay, Emir Tzashem in the next podcast, we will pick up at the next Mishnah and continue to see nuances of the relationship between the Mudar and the Madir. Everyone should have a wonderful day.